0: Listening devices in here, Frank. I checked this weekend. They have listening devices that can just crawl in. No, you should know this. This is old school mechanomancy.
1: I keep finding ones in the bathroom, but I don't think those are the usual
0: listening devices. Those might be the smellivision.
1: Oh, uh, devices. Of what, what do you call that? Yeah, long distance smelling based communication, uh, which not big in the universe that most of our listeners are in.
0: I'm sure that the Soviets in their psychonetics programs. Definitely
1: The Soviets did everything in their second X programs. They like they made an internet
0: for dogs. Just cuz. I'm trying to think of a joke for that, possibly involving <laughs> WWW and Bow Wow, but it doesn't quite work. Um B O W W O W. Yes.
1: And and like the cursor is just a little bone. They thought that'd be cute at the start, but then they found out that was a very distracting UI decision. I mean it is a new year we should probably figure out what the fuck we're going to be doing uh at least the next few months um we've got a lot of stuff like filed Yeah, up. I mean we've come up with a good few topics here. Uh, this list
0: you made is pretty nice uh and hell uh, this is like a, a collation of like yeah. previous lists like yeah. and I found like old old like files I had which is like 33.3 fm Discussion topic proposals, and I opened it up, and there's like one thing in there. Yeah,
1: you've given me like four different of those documents at one point or another, and then you guys like, oh yeah, what if I just put these all together at once? Okay, the naked goddess. I yeah, we've bickered about this a lot, and I think we should try to at least kind of put it to rest. And I think that would be a good episode to get out of the way.
0: Um, we could do naked goddess and like um the sect as well. Yeah, I have some ideas about the sect and. The naked goddess justifiably gets a lot of heat for being She's like, a weird, kind of weird archetype. And, yeah. She's a weird archetype, but and she's not a very clear archetype. I don't mind it. Um, I can so much. yeah, I'd- I
1: have a defense that I'd like to stage in the fav- in favor of her existence as an archetype, but we should probably save that for an episode. But you did just give an ooh did inspiration strike?
0: Well, no, it's mainly an ooh, because I just love apologism for bullshit <laughs> in Ananami. I'm like, uh, how do we no make it make the sense? Kind,
1: no matter the kind. Apologism in general. Excellent. <laughs> it's loved and Yeah. Um, and maybe that would be a good episode to bring on a guest, I think.
0: There are a couple of people who who'd be talking about yeah. um, Naked Goddess and debating it. A master debate, if you will. It's not a pravaturgy, I'd ever say. It's Thank the God. fucking
1: sect of the naked goddess I can make jerk off puns. And they're That's true. absolutely That's appropriate. That's fair. It's a um, pornomancy sect, Thompson. Pornomancy walked so pravaturgy could run. Run bow legged, but run nonetheless.
0: <laughs> I think there are some legitimate uh, complaints about the naked goddess. I do too. Um, and I
1: think the way she's been written up in some of the books kind of. Makes it it gives credit to some of the other arguments, but I think there is like a strong, solid kernel of an idea that it's a bit non-traditional, but worth discussing.
0: Mm. Archetypes are often tend to be, you know, my war against gendered archetypes because I think that any any basically any archetype that gets given like a specific gender, I can argue it can go the other way because of the the wildness and the breadth of human the human experience. Um, and even with the naked goddess, I could, I would argue that it doesn't have to be gendered. Um, and that's, that's, that's a point I'd like to bring up. Yeah. Um,
1: And I've always been more okay at gendered archetypes as, you know, the status sphere is a reflection of all of our fucked up biases. And gender is a, you know, emergent property of any sociological body. Of course, there's going to be gendered archetypes to a certain degree. But, you know, it's all fluid and flexible, and I think that you're seeing a lot of archetypes that used to be gendered becoming less so
0: in the modern day. My objection to gendered archetypes isn't so much that the archetype itself is gendered, because like the archetypes, as in the people that ascended, would have their gender and their gender identity and all that. It's yeah. mainly, my main problem is with lines that say, like, no man can channel this one, or no woman can channel this one, where I'm just like, no, if you if you walk the Avatar path, if you can figure out a way that you can align with that archetype, then gender be damned. Yeah, I agree there,
1: and I think in a lot of cases, it's just kind of a question of, I mean, for lack of a better term, passing. Sure. There's no reason a man could not, even like, you know, someone identifying as a man could not channel the naked goddess, they would just need to be able to pass as a woman pretty well.
0: That's true. But also there's the fact that like when it comes to archetypes and the sitting member in the clergy and God walkers, often the biggest like conflict is over how the archetype is perceived and how it's how it actually works. And it seems to me that like if you can have an archetype if your interpretation of an archetype has the legs where it can be channeled by anyone, regardless of culture, anyone, regardless of like identi- identity, and anyone, regardless of gender, it's going to be stronger and more anti fragile, as Nassim Taleb picks oh, up. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. I get you. And I do agree there. I do agree there. But, you know, there are certain figures that. I don't think archetypes necessarily need to exist within every culture they just need to exist in a lot of them
0: because not every archetype can exist in every culture um unless they do Now that's an interesting idea. Here's an idea. Um, there's what if there what if it just happens like that where like if an archetype enters the global collective unconsciousness there is a representation that appears even in like very isolated cultures so, Like, no one knows this, but every, like, uncontacted tribe in the Amazon and those, the the angry people that live on Sentinel Island in the Indian Ocean, they also have equivalents in their culture for every archetype. But often it gets quite weird, especially now when it's so postmodern and things are getting real specific. Yeah,
1: so, like, in the past, like, 20 years, a bunch of totally isolated uh, tribes of humans have independently invented the concept of pornography.
0: Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure pornography has existed. In oh, pornography pornography's existed for a
1: long time, but I, I think, you know, especially cultures that might not have as much of a tradition or as long a tradition of visual art. That's true. Or
0: the written word. Yeah, the chronicle of it? I think, like, in many ways... Does it still like... count as porn if it's neural tradition? I don't think so. I think that's just dirty talk at that point. That is, that seems very uh, Eurocentric to me. Uh, you should never look at archetypes and how they are, how they are manifested around the world uh, with such a lens. Um, are I there archetypes?
1: I'm talking purely pornography here.
0: You don't know how descriptive some of these oral storytellers could
1: be. No, I'm sure. I'm just saying at that point, isn't it just dirty talk? That, that could be pornography, that could count. Aren't phone sex lines technically
0: pornography? That's an excellent question,
1: actually, are they? I'm not sure if I would agree with that, but... Uh, then this, again, this... Th- this comes in... This enters the very heady topic of what technically is pornography, and people have been bickering about this for a very long time.
0: Actually, I guess it's more p- porno phony.
1: <laughs>
0: That's fair, yeah. Ah,
1: um. uh, yes, the computer, or as I prefer to call it, the pornograph.
0: That's pretty great. That's pretty great. So, yeah, so, so there's a lot to talk about. Um, we could get into because we have and talked about... Hey, don't,
1: don't be accusing me of Eurocentrism here. There's plenty of European cultures that have extremely strong and presumably extremely erotic oral traditions. That's true. Yeah, I'm sure scalds back in the day. There's all sorts of... It, like I don't even want to say body because there's sort of like a sex comedy tone to that. Just like straight up raunchy, uh, scaldic poetry out there done over the years.
0: That's my next Oz Magica character. <laughs> just a raunchy skull. Oh, no. Perfect. Absolutely fucking perfect.
1: I mean, I think, well, with Oz Magica, I think that brings us to, that's a good uh, excuse for us to dive into, like, we've talked a good amount about doing historical games before, and I think... Oh, yes. Like, we should, at some point, just, just dedicate an entire episode to, like, how do you run a... St- historical game well like partially unknown armies but also just like general strategies for that sort of thing
0: yeah i think that would be interesting um the thing is because when you're talking about a historical game like the basis is all of history oh there's that line from kenneth Hyde about how like the real world is the best campaign setting which i agree with because it has I the most yeah. material but the thing is if we talked if we did an episode just on historical games it's going to be too we'd have to do we'd have to get specific I, again. I, I think we need to
1: focus more on strategies for running historical games as opposed to like dedicated campaign ideas if we start listing off historical campaign ideas it's going to take like six fucking episodes
0: that's the idea because i'd like to go because
1: deep dives are more fun I agree, but I I think the way to handle that is just, you know, as we've been covering the topics we usually do, pretty much every fucking episode we throw out a couple historical campaign ideas. So I think we're going to be able to, you know, throw enough of those out through just our regular episodes that we don't need to dedicate an entire fucking episode to it. But if there's any ideas that would be
0: hard to fit into other episodes,
1: then we could probably sneak those in
0: there. Yeah, yeah when we talk about anything we're going to come up with unknown armies campaign ideas and if we talk if we do like historical dives on specific topics inevitably we get campaign concepts that make sense in a historicals in this historical setting um that there is a lot to talk about it is i can see what you mean in terms of like how much do you want to care about like historical accuracy and for me i would be like i i i'll do it in my um my position on alternate history as well. Like, I don't think you need to be historically accurate to make a good story, but I also respect people who do the work, who do the legwork and do the research. Yeah. Because it makes it better. I'm,
1: yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's kind of like a, for me, it's a question of depends on the campaign, depends on how much time I have to prepare for it. And depends on the players, right? Like, if I'm the only person in the game as the GM, that would really be getting much out of doing a shit ton of research and being super historically accurate, I'm probably not going to put that much effort into it. But if a bunch of the players in that game are also really into that shit, then, you know, that enthusiasm is infectious and we're going to want to kind of... Yeah, we're going to want to emphasize that shit.
0: My question is that how much is... Like, an episode about running a historical UA game going to be different from just a general, like, playing a role-playing game set in the past episode. I don't think it
1: would be that different, honestly, but, I mean. So, they could just go and listen to Ken and Robin talk about stuff. Well, that's a, that lot stuff a lot to of stuff to listen time. to, Thompson, and I agree, <laughs> Kenneth true. Hyde and Robin Laws are much more informed on that topic than I am, but, or... And even you, though I think you're also more informed of that topic than I am. Yeah, but I'm not I, going to prepare myself with Kenneth Hyde. Yeah, no, no, that's 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 a very high bar. Uh, exactly. Uh, but I have they ever done like a episode on like, hey, how do you run historical games?
0: I think they have actually. They may. I, have... I, I, I vaguely because I used to listen to the quite a bit. I have listened. Yeah, to them for a while, there's a lot like... of episodes of that. They're like <laughs> in the three four hundreds at this point, I think. Yes. So, there. I. I have vague memories of listening. To, I can hear his like, brogue in my head. Not brogue yeah. is that the right word. I could hear his um his, 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 his dulcet <laughs> Chicagoan tones. That's right. I could hear him talking about um historical campaigns in my head. Um. So that's one of the reasons why I'd almost want to be more specific because, I maybe we could talk about like what's. Sort of historical eras best suit the kind of occult underground mayhem and madness that Anunami t- Yes, to
1: We've touched on that a bit, like with Paris and um I believe uh yeah, Paris, uh, Rome I believe yep. um there was a Chinese city that you point out specifically is one that you'd think would have a very oh. Interesting economy. Yeah. yeah,
0: there's yeah. multiple Chinese cities at different time periods. Like 1920, Shanghai is always a classic. Hong Kong is oh, yeah. good. Yeah, just pick a dynasty and then find the, the fun city.
1: Maybe another thing worth emphasizing would be like, all right, how do you handle historical occultism? Because I think that might be a way to give that topic a
0: bit more focus. That is interesting because I do want to talk about... At one point or another, my vague ideas related to modernist magic yes. and how yeah. it differs from postmodern magic. Yeah. And I think for especially for like late nineteenth century, early twentieth century games, which does which is oft, it's like a sort of time period which is is good because it's it's similar enough um, yeah. that we can sort of like wing it a little bit, and everyone knows like cowboys and Nazis and all the things of that era, so it's not yeah. as difficult. But there is an argument to be made within the setting, within the cosmology of there being a difference in how magic was meant to operate and how big that difference is, that's something we can debate. And
1: we could easily touch upon a lot of that shit during the Britain episode we want to do, which I'll see on this list, because, you know, you bring yes. up Britain and magic, you got to bring up Crowley, Golden yes. Dawn, all that stuff. Yes. yes. How, uh, you know, the beginnings of the neo-pagan movement all start in Britain. There is a lot of occultism in Brim's history, and so it would be very easy to bring this stuff in there. I'd also like to do an episode on pre-modern magic.
0: Pre-modern magic, yes. It also would behoove us to like talk about how it is distinct within the UA cosmology from just another sort of um, like like a paranormal uh, game. If I'm thinking of modernist magic, yeah. Part of me is thinking about Crowley. And then the OK, good movement and all those dudes. But part of me is also just thinking about obsessive telegraph like operators sure. who just love the telegraph uh, because that seems kind of that sort of thing, like newspaper magic and like all kinds of things like that that make more sense within the zeitgeist at the time. Like that's like, oh, that's a wacky adept school.
1: But like also, like there was a ton of shit in occultism at the time that was like trying to bring together scientific rationalism and the occult. And that's been a big project in, like, the occult tradition for basically the entirety of the modern era. So I'm sure I could find concrete examples of, like, people trying to do rituals through the telegraph or
0: newspapers and shit. One thing that, like, I think got me started on, like, telegraph idea was reading about how, like, um, so much of telegraph culture was a precursor to internet culture. Like the sort of like very weird acronyms they would use. that was very similar to lead speak and like co- competitions that people would have, like staying up all night to see who would be the, like the first to fall. They're just like sitting there with each other until one of them gives up and, and shit like that, which is fun.
1: Uh, though, I mean, going into other occult role-playing games, I think that like we could do episodes touching on some of those, especially Ars Magica, would be the big one, because, I mean, they're both
0: Atlas games. Isn't there, like, a, a theory or, like, a like a rumor that they're meant to be connected or it's denied? But, like, a lot of people talk about that I mean, how- there
1: there's concrete connections between Ars Magica and, like, World of Darkness. Mm. Well, one, they have the same, like original lead designer but also like the Tremere show up in both I think there's probably more concrete connections between Ars Magica and World of Darkness shit I don't know
0: Mage well enough to Mm. talk on that front that just immediately makes me want to do like an overly ambitious like time travel game where there's two timelines that sprang off from Ars Magica one of them led to World of Darkness and one of them led to Unknown Armies and now they're fighting in Ars Magica, which is very silly. I, mean, as I was just going to say
1: that, like, okay, Ars Magica is your pre modern magic. Mage is your modern magic. And then UA is your post modern magic. Mage is, like, mechanically a lot of that's dedicated Hermeticism and all that shit. Yeah. It doesn't draw nearly as much from Chaos Magic and the more post modern shit as UA does. Both Mage and Ars Magica, I could see there being episodes dedicated to. Uh, I've never played either of those games. So I'd probably want to at least like run a little bit of mage or Magica. I know you've you've at least played in Ars Magica before, right? i
0: played in Ars Magica. I yeah, I I I'm not as scared as to, to just like just blithely give my uninformed opinion to that game. <laughs> I just know from the fluff. I'd be like, "Well, this is what I think." Well, if you're informed on
1: one front, I should probably be at least informed on the other one. I wouldn't call myself informed.
0: Like Ars Magic you played ours match Cup, which
1: like for these obscure role playing games is vastly more informed than like half the fan bases of these games.
0: I had to keep going to Garrett, being like, "What's happening? I don't understand how this is working. What is my spell? How many points? What is this?" Oh well, yeah, if but we do an Ars I- match Cup so then it might be worth bringing Garrett on. Yes. Um, he could explain it to me.
1: Yeah. Um. And to the audience. Didn't write some stuff for *Ars Magica* too? I think so, probably. Uh, I mean, the main connection I know of is that they're both published by Atlas. Um, there is the other kind of occult role-playing game that Stolzey was involved with. The first one he did actually, um, the first role-playing game he ever did, which was *Everway*.
0: Everway.
1: By Jonathan Tweet. That
0: sounds. Ooh, it uses sweet. like
1: it uses like proprietary tarot cards. It was the first RPG that Wizards ever published before they got in the D and D business. It's fucking weird. It's very like late '90s artsy role playing
0: game. Oh, that's fun though. That's that's yeah. that's uh, conceptually fun. Yeah. No. Um, um, I don't it's know. Something how I'd definitely it.
1: like to check out. Like, I I've never read it. I just know of it.
0: I, I like any kind of, like, late 90s or early 2000s game yeah. that got people pissed off because they were too wanky. Like, like anything <laughs> anything that probably pissed off RPG Pundit, I, I, I enjoy. Just because I imagine What's RPG saying? Pundit raging. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: doing his fucking Hunter S. Thompson routine. Oh, God. Yeah, um... Uh, people swine. Yeah, exact, God. I'm looking into it. I'm not seeing anything for his Magica that Stolzey worked on, but I'm sure I could find some overlap. With... It must
0: have been the other Greg Stolzee. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah the other one, Greg obviously.
0: Stolzee.
1: So yeah, this is, like, it's not something I want to dive into too much, and I probably would not want to do all three of those games in one year. But I think that, like, you know, that's a cool episode topic to kind of go over a bit. And like, usually, what you see is like people already into mage and world of darkness coming to unknown armies and seeing it through that lens so it'd be interesting to kind of see the role switched a bit
0: but all all these settings must bow down before the overarching ua cosmology oh of course so 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 what supernatural identity is a werewolf anyway oh well, it's just werewolf all right yeah <laughs> yeah
1: it's you've been possessed by uh you're an ant well what it's an animal that gets possessed by a demon or a person that gets possessed by an animal demon. I always get oh yes,
0: up. with the with the um, the Tui lycanthropes. Yeah. Yes, that's that's a fun way. Yeah, I mean um,
1: Tui also has its own like spin on vampires. So it might be like if we do a vampire episode at some point, we should probably at least touch a little bit on
0: Vampire the Masquerade because I love the idea of just. Having all these groups, which are clear ripoffs of the world of darkness, but just have them be based on the weird stuff that to Second Ed came up yeah. with to explain vampires and werewolves, because that would be fun.
1: Like, you know, the you you, uh, you attend the Vampire Council and they're all just like a, a neat, extremely inbred anemic nobles, which to be <laughs> fair, there's definitely an element of that in Vampire, but they're all like that.
0: I feel that, like, a World of Darkness-based UA game would be much more like what we do in The Shadows. Which I which finally got around
1: to watching most of. It's really fucking good. It is it's good. Really, it's really fucking good. good. Yeah, we gotta figure out a way to put the psychic vampires in there, too, somehow. Colin Robinson is the most UA character in that show.
0: Definitely. Absolutely. And, like, the things that are sort of related to, like, the whole psychic vampire mythos, which yes. is very creative. Uh, it works very well with a UA. Where you just uh, over the course of the
1: show realize, like, oh wow, these these guys
0: aren't human at all. Holy shit! Yeah, exactly. Now, what else could we do um, in terms of other uh, sort of occult games? There's, um, we could talk about old cult. Uh, oh god, we could go into cult. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we already did Gnosticism. Yeah, we well, I'm kind it.
1: of Gnosticed out. Uh, so, yep, maybe not this bad. year, but it is something that we should cover yeah. at some point. One day. Um, one day. Authentic Thaumaturgy is worth going into, not the UA thing, like the first, the granddaddy of occult RPG source books, the one that was published by Chaosium oh. back in the late 70s.
0: Okay, no, that's fun. I like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think a deep, deep dive to the '70s yeah. is always fun.
1: Written by the only guy to ever get a, I believe he got a bachelor's at UC Berkeley in occultism, and used it to write a role-playing game book. The best uh, use, of course you do. Degree. I mean, that, Chaosium was in San Francisco at the time, I believe. So yeah, like, of course that's what you do. Um, yeah, like I think we kind of listed all the big ones. Um, you know, there's smaller ones like. Z- Zorcer of Zo and shit.
0: There's also, like, um, what is it? Esoteric Enterprises? Yeah, and I could talk on that because I've played that a bit. It, it
1: It's an urn fantasy game. It doesn't really dive in the occultism that much beyond, like, pretty just blade flavoring. But it's, you know, it's a fun game. I mean, if we were to ever kind of, like, talk OSR shit ever, or, like, retro clones,
0: we'd kind of need to go into Esoteric Enterprises. There's quite a few, like, obscure... Like really small indie sort of uh, oh, yeah. urban fantasy games there's, there's a ton on of them like drive them. To I have like f-
1: five of them on my
0: shelf. We can just do a lightning round.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, we do finally thirty-three point three FM's uh, Golden Sky Stories episode, the one right. that everyone's have- been waiting for. Kate would want to talk about that. Oh yeah, no, like uh, if we if we legit if we did that, like we we it'd be required to bring Kate on.
0: Yes, I, mean, I have a it print just- copy of that. It's a cute. It's a very cute little game. But would it make sense as anything other than an other space? I'm not sure.
1: Um, I mean,
0: it. Actually, I don't know. I don't know it that well. It's I, it,
1: it, it's that very Japanese take on sort of spiritualism, where you know, there's just the, the the closest media property I could compare it to is My Neighbor Totoro. So, but like, you're kind of playing Totoro. You're playing like the weird inscrutable. at least my understanding of it is, is that you play the inscrutable uh nature spirit and you're trying to brighten up everyone's day.
0: I mean, that's a, that's a solid UI character, I feel. Yeah, I agree.
1: I mean I agree. That's, that's like, Zero Yen, kind of. Yeah, no, exactly. That's the thing. There's definitely overlap between that and Zero Yen. I think there's stuff you could do with that there. Maybe if we do like a Japan episode where we really dive into zero,
0: zero Yen some more, we could talk about that a bit too. Yeah, that'll come up. There's a lot to talk about, actually. Um, and that actually a good segue because I do want to have a Japan episode, but there's a few other countries we didn't mention. The United Kingdom, I've got. There's two people interested. Yes. Um, in doing a UK episode, uh, and we need a couple of Brits to keep us in line. But it's good to have. I think having two Brits and an American and an Australian is. Yeah, good, that's, a good, that's a good spread. I think I agree. Yeah. Being Australian, I've been exposed to enough British media. That I I, don't, I can keep up. I know what's going on. I recognize things. I, I, I'm i like, I know who that actor is. I knew who that, like... I've watched that particular, like, panel comedy quiz show. I know what's going on. And I know enough to, to tell you that Blighty is terrible and I don't like it. We don't want to talk about it. Uh,
1: it should be addressed. But, yeah, there's better UA Britain content out there, like post well i've never read postmodern britain but you say that it's good
0: postmodern it- britain is pretty solid um by what's his name he has um he's the welsh name it's it's i've read it a long time ago and i've reread it like having just come like i reread bloody and then i i needed like a a, a palate cleanser so i read postmodern and it, it was good it was like um it wasn't official or it wasn't anything it was just something that someone put together and i was like it was much more of a like it felt more ua and it felt more british which is what you want, and then there's, uh, I think it's Scott Doward, right, that wrote Lampost and Bloom. Lampost in Bloom is just a good scenario. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't a even good, need to scenario. be in the UK.
1: It kind of has works. a bit of that UK flavor that I think makes it best suited to the UK, but you could move it to other places. Though. You could,
0: you could, you could move it, but you, I don't think there's a real need to. Like, it's it's just a pretty straightforward. Yeah. Story set in the UK and it doesn't have to be set in the UK, but it works there. It's a good scenario. Hey, we might even be able to hit up Scott and see if he wants to get on the show. Uh,
1: have a bit of—I mean, the good friends of Jackson Elias is way bigger than we are,
0: but you never know. Yeah, don't get asked. You yeah. never know. We ask now. Someone asked us. Listen well, to- you has to think like <laughs> because of Twitter. Back in the day, your favorite
1: RPG writers were like so much further removed. And nowadays, it's just like, oh, I can just go to them on Twitter. Like, like these aren't, like, celebrity celebrities. These are guys that are basically on the same level we are. They've just been doing it for, like, 20 years longer.
0: That's it. That's it. Like, it's... And that, that comes with its um, downside as well, because everyone on Twitter is going to be very defensive about, like, time wasters and, and just being cancelled and all the, all the nonsense. Um... Twitter is not a great environment to be talking to well, people. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. This
1: is, I'm not saying publicly. We just, like, hop into his DMs and, like, say, like, hey, we're in an Arby's podcast. I know that you guys are a fan of the show because you did an episode on this in the past. Would you be yeah, interested yeah, yeah. in yeah. coming on to talk about your scenario yeah. and just the do the game in UK in general? That's solid. That's solid. Um, some uh, other places I'm seeing on this list, Russia. We have one person Russia? interested. I think I know who you mean. Yep.
0: I think Russia's an interesting setting Yes. as well. Russia's the
1: big boy. Well, um, the fun thing with that is that um, when you were originally talking about UA and Russia was right when I started playing uh, Mark's Estotech Enterprises Russia game.
0: Yes, yes. And
1: you were both extremely influenced by nothing is true and everything is permitted. Oh, yes. It's a good book. Which I, I've yet to read, but like from kind of like the cliff notes that I've been given by talking to you guys, it does seem very UA. And it's a very solid case study of how the occult underground survives in the modern day, which is just everybody nobody wants to believe that magic exists. They have their I, own yes, shit to deal
0: with. That's 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 it. Like it, it sort of gave me and it is a uh, sort of a biased take by like a pretty much a British journalist uh working in media in the, in russia in the early 2000s and uh, a lot of people can come to that book and be like this is bullshit but in terms of like painting a picture of of a setting yeah i think it's very good and very UA relevant
1: um poland is on the
0: list because apparently i have a few listeners there because like one specific uh city i've got notes one of the reasons is because i've got notes uh-huh. on lodz uh but i've also realized that it might not be lodz it might be another city next door I've got I've got notes and there's a there's a few I've I've got notes about Poland already um and some funny things about this particular city like funny coincidences that are very UA relevant Alright so um, maybe
1: that could be our next like small town deep dive episode. Yes. Yes that could be um fine. and
0: if if the person from Poland is listening to us, if you want to be on yeah, you wanna reach out, say your piece.
1: Yep. Um, um though I mean that whole region um I think makes for interesting UA stuff like there's this big um renaissance of Scandinavian horror going on right now and I know Poland isn't technically mm. Scandinavia but that sort of area of northern Europe we also have uh, Finland on our list here so yes. if we could like get our Finnish buddy and then like and then a Norwegian or a Swede on we could kind of, like, do a Scandinavian, Polish, Finland, you know, Northern European occult underground episode. That could be pretty cool. You can't have a Swede and a Pole on
0: the same podcast. There'll be a deluge.
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out.
0: That's that's, that's a deep, cut historical joke. Never mind.
1: My understanding is that Poland has beef with, like, pretty much everyone around it. For one reason
0: or another. Wouldn't you? Except Hungary. But well, that's a problem now. Because Hungary's in trouble. Oh being God. R- Not nice. Oh, um, of course. Poor but Poland. Poland yeah, Poland and Hungary are the are, are, are the uh the brothers uh according to the law. Okay. Um okay. but but we could we've got a few listeners from Germany. Okay. Um, yeah, Ireland EU would be great. France. Yeah, EU is good sort of campaign setting overall because it's like relatively easy to move around and yeah. we could we could um very very um very dramatically separate it from the UK episode. Sure. Um, Or we could have one of the UK people on and then, like, kick them out halfway through or have them, like, (laughs) angrily leave. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: Mid-episode Brexit. Perfect.
0: (laughs) Brexit as a topic is interesting. Yeah, no, when we go
1: into the UK episode, we need to tackle Brexit. Mm -hmm. Because Blighty was written before that, right? It was written, like, just after it had been announced, I think.
0: Yeah. Is it touched upon at all, even? I, don't, I don't think it I, I might be overly harsh on Brexit because I read it when so much madness was going on with yeah. Brexit in the US and uh, the UK rather, and like bloody didn't seem to represent the kind of setting that yeah. like that I would want to play in like a in like a Brexit UK
1: UA game. Things have settled down a bit, if only because they've become fucked up in a more global sense. There have been a lot of interesting developments in the post-COVID occult underground that we should we should definitely talk about a bit at some point at least but before we move
0: on to that actually because there is i've also got singapore on my list yes so you to like singapore why singapore of all places singapore has a, a bunch of things going for it. one of it's the fact that we've got apparently a listener or many listeners or some listeners here is there <laughs> they keep popping up on the list nice and so i did some research um singapore has a good sort of like there are advantages for like Settings to be presented to like a Western audience or American audience. I like audience. how
1: our audience is so small but so global. We can just be like, "All right, this episode is dedicated to you, single listener
0: in Singapore." Nassim Taleb talks about this. It's better to have a, a, a small group of fans rather than yes. like having yes. to like like fiddle for everyone. Yes. Um, and Singapore is because it's 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 a city state, um, so it's relatively in scope. You can justify having occult backgrounds or like occultism from Asia, the West, India, the Middle East, like everywhere pretty much can like sort of fit in in a way because it's a multicultural society run by a pseudo authoritarian regime, which is doing quite well. Thank you very much, actually. Um, But it's kind of annoying because I don't know. It reminds me of Australia. I mean, speaking I of East expensive. Asia and UA settings, um,
1: we should probably do a Korea episode at some point, if only to have an excuse to do a deep dive into
0: the conspiracy of witches that was running their government for a while. Oh yes, because I can talk about a lot about Korea. Um, I I know there are at least a couple of Korean people. Haven't, we haven't even been listeners, but listeners. But I know that there are at least a couple of people in Korea. Koreans who play on so awesome. I'll try to find one I have an old set of notes about like a Korean occult underground which I abandoned um they're not great well you have some, cool some Korean there.
1: adept schools up on Satosphere,
0: right well I had one that was specifically Korean uh-huh. um that was Korean alcohol magic because uh-huh. what I knew about I felt confident um, to write about that because of my personal experience drinking too much soju and passing out <laughs> on the streets of so, Seoul. Um, hey, inspiration so found- from anywhere, man. <laughs> That's right. In terms of the others, three that I put up, which I gave like two of the- two of them had Chinese names. One had like a Korean name. The the sul was specifically a sort of um Korean like cultural magic school while the other two like the uh teacher Chich- was more um the general asian vibe of like uh, the, the, uh, the concerns about face and tatame and stuff but also you can use it doesn't have to be said in like used in asia only it's a concept which is like being embarrassed in public um is something that works anywhere um yes. and the other one uh Tsuxin-ja was like, the only reason I put it there as, like, I gave it an Asian name was mainly just to, like, follow with the rest, and, like, my my thoughts were, why does everything have to end with Mancy? Why is everything Latin, Greek? Like, there would be some schools that just happen to begin in Asia or another culture and just happen to have a name which come, derives from that culture as opposed to, like, coming from uh, a Western occult underground and being named according to Fake Latin and Greek. This actually brings me to a
1: good point. I m- may want to dedicate an episode to this or maybe just want to use these ne- this next minute or so as a soapbox. I do think an episode dedicated to names of adept schools and archetypes would be mm. pretty interesting. Because I, I right. think there's like this idea that the names for both are objective or even have some sort of stratospheric significance, and but, I don't yeah, really don't... think that's true. Okay, I, I'm on board, yeah. You know, names like the Naked Goddess or the Heisenberg Messenger. They're shorthand. Yeah, they're, they're just shorthand used by the occult underground to give those very archetypal and mystical figures that are fundamentally nameless some you know cool inside baseball
0: terminology and that could be something that could be explored more in the game yeah. um in people's games in terms of alternative names for things because we know that like avatars have masks and that's meant to be to show how like avatars can be perceived. see uh, different archetypes are perceived differently in different cultures so why not different names i would even say this this would cover terminology which is used like checkers charges and ponies yep. like in, oh yeah that's every, definitely every that's
1: definitely localized i mean the the cult underground is a fairly small community but even then especially in cases where there's like a language barrier yeah there's definitely going to be unique names that come about in uh different
0: occult undergrounds across the world hey there's even even like a cult underground as a term yeah. is not the only oh yeah very I know canonically cincinnati calls it the offness um that pops up a few times um so each each individual city is going to have like and each individual cabal might have a different way to describe yeah like what the occult underground even is and that is definitely adds more flavor to proceedings and once you bring in different cultures uh and this goes back to like cities like singapore which are very and london oh, yeah. um uh, which are very cosmopolitan um people in the underground in the occult underground who come from different cultural backgrounds or different class backgrounds or whatever are going to describe the same things with different terms. And that's, that's interesting. We're talking about linguistics. Are we going to talk about linguistics, right? Oh, God. I, no,
1: no. Oh, why not? Because I know jack shit about linguistics. I'm so, sur- I have so many fucking nerd friends that know so much about linguistics. Tell me about these phonemes and fucking Indo-European all the time. And it's just like, I don't understand your fucking jokes. This is all Greek to me.
0: Just, we'll just get Noam Chomsky to come on. He Pardon comes me. on anything apparently. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> but do try to explain. Okay, here's know. the I'm thing. Just, here's I'm the so thing.
1: Scared. He wouldn't. He's probably gonna come on our podcast. He would at least respond to our email.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: Like fucking guaranteed. Though, like far, like if you wanted to do a linguistics episode, by all means, I doubt I'd be on it. Or if I was on it, I wouldn't contribute much. But we have between us a lot of friends that know a lot about the topic, so I'm sure we could get a group together for that. So, how would that tie into an, an Armies, you think?
0: I don't know. I don't know. You just talk
1: about linguistics, you fucking dog.
0: <laughs> yes, that's... This is my platform. Our platform. I'm sorry. Um, and as we're talking about this, like, the back of my brain was, like, saying, hey, you know what? I bet we can probably just harass Zizek until he comes off, <laughs> not knowing what's going on.
1: Just <laughs> bring on a bunch of fucking illuminary leftist <laughs> philosophers onto our fucking podcast with like 50 listeners perfect that would be great that would be great then we just ask on one of the chapo guys perfect
0: oh there we
1: go so if we hit up china
0: meville he'd at least be on topic the thing about zizek is like yeah. i feel that we'd actually follow him better than some of the podcast hosts i've seen him talking to yeah
1: honestly yeah they're always there's always just like oh no we want you to talk about just give us your hot takes about the current political situation he's always like well the democrats are bad and the pumpkins are also bad, but they're not bad in the way you expect. Let me explain, sniff sniff. But like you can tell he right. like he, he like you know, he he's like collecting a paycheck. He really wants to talk about weird continental philosophy shit. Well let's talk about mm. Alan Baidu. We we can provide the platform yeah. for you, have we? Zizek, call us. I wouldn't be that surprised if Zizek was just in the the occult underground. Just dabbles in it occasionally. I will say I am a strong advocate for just putting real life people into your armies games because it's fun. That is true. I like some people push it back against
0: it. I don't like even it use too.
1: XPs. Don't even use knockoff. Just put the guy in there. It's
0: fun. I enjoy it when you mix the XPs with the real people. Yes, that's also true.
1: Keep people on their toes a bit.
0: Does Alex Abel know Donald Trump? Yes. Oh,
1: absolutely. The real question is, uh, was Alex Abel on Jeffrey Epstein's flight logs? Hmm. I skew probably no, not.
0: No, I, 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 yeah, probably not, but he knew about him, you knew about No, him. yeah,
1: my guess is that he was in Epstein's Black Book, which was literally mm. just his, like, directory. It was just a shit ton of phone numbers he had, his assistant had. Because he knew a lot and, of rich and influential people, it turns out. But I don't think he took a flight to the Virgin Islands. A, a, a TNI
0: agent probably went at some yes, point. Yes, I agree. But TNI had a file. That's where Eponymous is.
1: I mean, probably what actually happened is, like, Alex Abel was looking into it a bit, and he was like, Oh, I can spot a honeypot from a mile away, no thanks.
0: Yeah, that's that makes sense. Yeah. Alex Abel's no no
1: fool. No. Though, apparently, Bill Gates went to the island several times, and I wouldn't call him a fool either, so... He's a, he's a computer guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, this is such an awkward situation. How did I end up surrounded by all these 12-year-old girls? This is just like the freshman dance all over again.
0: Jeff Bezos in the corner is just eating one, saying, calm down, Bill. All the billionaires do. Anyway. All right. We covered all of our bases. We brought Epstein to the episode.
1: We, we, can, we can just end the episode right there and it'd be, it'd no, be complete. No. <laughs> it would be.
0: I, I do. Like, the fact that we're going to have to circle back to Epstein, the fact that our second episode. Yeah, we about, should probably
1: do an Epstein update, especially now that just has been indicted and shit the issue is like uh, i i'm not sure how we could tie that into the occult underground again the ordo corpulentus mm-hmm. was a tenuous enough link in general it was real tenuous and, yeah and like i
0: don't think we covered the ordo as much as it, no we should covered, probably but...
1: do another order upset at some point maybe yeah. talking about like protestant christianity in the occult underground that would be a good excuse to
0: cover in those guys that is interesting yeah um, Protestant Christianity, weird Protestant Christianity. Yes. snake handling, all that fun shit. Oh no, Herbert Manson. Oh no. Oh um, yes, oh yes. Your best friends, Tormson. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a solid idea.
1: Protestants. We talked about the Catholics. Yeah, we talked about the Catholics. We talked about Catholics. Now we gotta do Protestants, and maybe when we do Russia, we can go into the orthodoxy a bit, because uh, there's some fun shit in there, I'm sure. You do have a section here called Minor Occult Groups That Thompson Has a Problem With.
0: Which are apparently minor cult groups that you have a problem with. Okay, these are groups that I think could be better. These are mostly, almost all from Book 3 of 3rd edition. Um, On page 3, no. Um, they, These are groups which I feel could use some fleshing out to make them more interesting. I mean, that's like every faction in 3rd edition, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But I think the reason I like like doing episodes on the minor occult groups is because there's like because there's less to work with, we can spin it off in more different directions yeah. and like or just reinterpret them entirely. Um, I've reinterpreted Occupy the Tower entirely, yeah. but that's like a whole episode. And I know that we Kate talked about some that of that stuff here. before, and I really do like the ideas you've had with that, and that'd be a good excuse to bring Kate on. Yeah, you have got Abnormal Pathogen Research Group, which again annoys me because it's yet another like. We hate magic for the sake of Haiti magic. Um, it's too fucking many of those. Which, yeah. And I have a big rant about how Mika Cohen's worldview doesn't really make sense. Like, I don't know. I like the idea of a group which treats the uh, the un- the occult underground and the unnatural through a medical lens.
1: Yes, we t- we talked about that a bit with the, our uh, Cecilite episode, but that's more like using. Uh, medical science is a way to bridge the gap between orthodox catholic christianity and the occult underground accidentally as opposed to something with a bit more a bit more intentional like these guys
0: one thing we could do is we could combine it with like discussing like how covid has affected the onami yeah, there's an idea actually. that's a fun one a lot of people in games are very much avoiding the covid issue uh, because it is like a, it's a distraction and it's uh, disruptive. I
1: think it's a thing of so much of our games are online now because of COVID, and we're also all really fucking tired of talking about it right now. That is a point. That is a point. But it just, yeah, I know. I think but it's definitely something that, that should be touched on. I'm not mm. sure when we should touch upon it.
0: I know I would like to like spitball because yeah. we, everyone's been talking about it. But everyone's talking about it in a in very specific sort of ways, yeah. which annoy me. Um, I'd rather like spin off. Like, how can we turn this like, worldwide pandemic into some way, craziness? Sure. That's right. Um, and you, there would be the complaint. There would be the complaints about whether this is tasteful.
1: Five minutes ago, we were joking
0: about Jeffrey Epstein. And that was the second episode of our show.
1: I think that I think that line was crossed a while ago, Thompson.
0: It's all right. We, we 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 live on the other side of the line, but there is some point... No, there is a no Fort point. Williams, I, I,
1: Torbson, You made me gay.
0: I'm sorry, conscience, <laughs> wherever you are.
1: I think we left good taste behind a while
0: ago. God, that was such a problematic um, yes. actual play. Looking back it on us. Yes. God. Why yes. Why was I?
2: I, I, hey,
1: like, I think it was done in a, I, I think a lot of those topics Are actually handled Like pretty Like they were done justice In the end In the end
0: Because I, I really I, I looked at myself I'm like hmm this is Okay I need to I need to Can't go just, this No regrets No, no regrets. Yeah, Well no oh. Like
1: No legitimately I think a lot of those topics Were handled well As tastefully as they could have been I mean because like, That's the thing right Like po- Problematic Often is at odds with like the concept of doing a difficult topic justice.
0: That's it. Like all, the, all the spicy topics happen to be the ones I'm interested. Yeah, in. Yeah, I'm kind <laughs> of, I'm, I'm kind of in the
1: same boat on that one. Exactly.
0: I would happen. I would happily spend two hours with you. <laughs> With our, with our white asses talking about Black Lives Matter and how it matters to the occult. I would do that all day and I would do my research because it's interesting. Exactly. I'm <laughs> it's in the same boat.
1: And I mean, I also I think like the way to handle this is like, all right, yeah, we should try to, we should talk about those topics, just we should also reach out to people that we know that can speak mm-hmm. to that from a per, more of a perspective of lived experience.
0: Oh, yeah, sure, like Big Head Scientist.
1: Yes, of course, of course. Big Head Scientist, I'm sure, has very,
0: very interesting opinions on Black Lives Matter. Yeah. No, there's lots um, to talk about because any game that is like Anonamies, and we have I have pushed back against um, the Americanism of um, Anonamies and saying it could be run, run, run anywhere, but it is an American game. It has, like, the flavor in it. And um, anything to do with American culture has to, like, link back to race stuff. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because it's interesting. Yeah. It's uh, it's culture. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, like, one of the things you we have on the list here is Oops All Americans. And I do think, I mean, America's broad, but I do think, like, an episode maybe dedicated to, like, a lot of America's weird religious traditions would be good. And that would be a fun way to go into some of the black Israelite. Nation of yes. Islam shit, because like that's uh, that's kind of my opinion New on this.
0: Or New-Wabians? how do you say New-Wabians?
1: That that's kind of my opinion on that shit. Yes, all that shit is super silly. It's no more silly than Scientology and Mormonism.
0: Of course, yeah, you know, like I'm not gonna be like, yeah. um, like this is particularly silly. Like not Mormonism like is just Western as ridiculous people. <laughs> as Nation of Islam. If you look at the doctrine, I mean, they're equally fucking silly. I mean, it's like if you comp- if you're comparing like um. Your uh, what is it? The 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 Moorish sovereign citizens with your run of the mill pasty faced sovereign citizens, like they're both pretty ridiculous. Yeah,
1: no, they're like the, they're the same. It's all those groups that tried to like those like nineteenth century and early twentieth century groups that tried to like synthesize modern astronomy with um, spirituality. Are, mm. end up just being really silly in retrospect, like all the shit with Jesus having a bunch of his own planets where he
0: lives with his several wives. But is it any more silly than anything else? When we talk about religion, like any religion, even the orthodox ones. You look no, into them, like, I The agree. only reason this isn't silly is because everyone knows about it, it, it already. It
1: feels more stooped in classical symbols, I think is what gives it that old gravitas like yeah when you know you can pull the r slash reddit atheist bullshit of haha talking to a snake turned everyone evil like yeah when you make it stupid when you simplify it like that it does sound kind of stupid because yeah it is kind of stupid but all that is coached in very old symbols in a way that a lot of these new religions aren't i think and that's the big reason they feel more that's the way that neo-paganism still still feels Kind of dignified compared to these groups. Yeah, that's true. But they still, so,
0: the unknown armies has always been. Oh no, yeah, post- for you unknown armies,
1: totally emphasize all the silly bullshit. That's the that's that's the yeah. fun stuff.
0: And I'm not really interested in like like too much of the uh, atheism sort of um uh perspective on it because it's like whenever I read anything like that, it's just like yes, you're right, but also you're all just repeating what Richard Dawkins said, and yeah. like none of you have it in your original thought. And I already know what you're going to say, so I, I can't be bothered. I'd rather talk about weird shit. Thank yeah, you. No, I'm
1: I'm kind of in the same boat there. Though I think I have, I think I have like a bit more respect for that shit. I, I think the other part of it too is just, there's been a lot more kick-ass art that's come out of like Catholicism and Buddhism than Mormonism and Scientology just by virtue of them having been around for a lot, lot longer.
0: My sort of thing is when I compare like the newer, like so, like sillier New Age yeah. beliefs with the older, like established beliefs. It's not really to put down the older established beliefs. It's more like to say these it's new to give sense of perspective. I know. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I mean, my problem with the Scientologists aren't their beliefs; it's their tactics.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's the same with the Catholic Church, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It's like the the main yeah, issue exactly. here
1: is the institutions. Yeah. You have some fucked up beliefs too, but most people do. You still probably shouldn't blacklist people. I mean, and the other fun thing is like the Mormons also get up to a lot of fucked up stuff.
0: I mean yeah. Like isn't it the a, Mormon church is an institution. institution. Yes. Like the, the institutions are always the well, problem. Well, like they, the do, beliefs, like, so they, they do like they do all yes.
1: these arranged marriages and shit. And then there's, you know, all the fun stuff about uh black skin being the mark of Cain.
0: That's yeah, that they've they've like God changed his mind about yeah. that. Apparently. No, yeah, God changed his mind um, about
1: black people and uh Uh, there is also the um, idea
0: if Matt Stone and Trey Parker speak the truth, um, because all I know is that (laughs) book of Mormon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There is that thing about uh, how one of the purposes of young Mormon missionaries being sent out. Is it sort of like a, a version of like the rumspringer in terms of like, it's pushing people out into like the world, a world that they cannot like sending them to cultures that they cannot, Really, jibe with and I understand very different from the Utah upbringing they've been used to, and just dropping them right into the pot. And of course, they get a lot of pushback, and they get a lot of abuse, and they get a lot of, and they have to be put through like they go through a they have a hard time. And that part of that is because it reinforces sort of an us versus them, like our our world versus the, the sinful outer world sort of dynamic. Yes. Um, yeah. because when they when they go back to Salt Lake City they go they could breathe a sigh of relief and they're like back to the real world and that's kinda of fucked up. But it's it, it it makes sense. It's how I would run my I mean, cult. And the, but it's you, fucked oh, up. Yeah, of course.
1: You you want to isolate isolate, isolate. It's 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 a great tactic for running a cult. I mean, and the fun thing We're talking about this shit in a UA context is you get to spitball like, all right, say you have a very devout Mormon or orthodox uh christian or scientologist even and they encounter the Mm -hmm. occult underground in a way that they can't ignore how do they rectify that how do they deal that cognitive dissonance how do you combine mormonism and the occult underground what is the salt lake city occult underground like
0: an interesting place yes i'm sure um A salty place.
1: And I've always kind of had a theory that, like, Scientology, right? Scientologists, through, like, all the actual, like, the concrete, like, kind of more old-school occultism that they've had connections with in their history, have set up L.A. as, like, an area where their theology is technically true, just within the confines of Los Angeles.
0: I like the idea that they've set up; a, it's basically a giant other space, yes. and where's and the real LA is hidden somewhere. You can't get you access. The it's real just a desert.
1: LA. It's just a desert. They just replaced the desert with this big sprawling city, where themes are technically real.
0: I think you could tie this into the um, the PKD. Oh yeah, looking easily. through the veil. Uh, actually, actually, Los Angeles was founded by Rome or something. I don't know.
1: There is like the that very sort of um, hash fried school of like paranoid science fiction, urban fantasy, Southern California mm-hmm. shit that I like. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's science fiction. It's a bit of urban fantasy. It's a bit of noir. How do I put this? The the Big Lebowski, Philip K. Dick, uh, Tim Powers. Um,
0: Versus. Yeah, and Not a verse, you know, but, that like, that trifecta.
1: All... That, that sort of tone, yeah. I feel like you could, we could easily squeeze an episode or two out of that.
0: If you could figure... I, I would like to be there for that, but if you yeah. could figure out an Oops! All Californians, that would also be fun, See, That's so, the
1: thing, like, an All Californians episode could work pretty easily, actually. Um,
0: I think it would work better than an Oops! All Americans, because America yeah, is exactly. a much it's bigger country than Australia. I mean, yeah. yeah,
1: like, America's about the size of the EU.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah so, pretty much. Um, no, not as diverse as no, do, no, but more diverse no. and more different than Australia, uh, despite a similar ge- geographical well, size. We're,
1: div- mm-hmm. we're diverse, but we don't have as many like um, homelands, or we do have a lot of homelands, but you know, a lot
0: of the people that used to live in those homelands are dead now. So that's something that like, was never really been uh, discussed, even though I have a character worked up on that. Like, how does um, we're going to talk about pre-modern magic? What is the a cult underground like on the reservations. Like what is the interaction between like Native American groups and the call underground because that's, it's definitely going to be like some interactions. Uh, and this also covers other groups like um, Hawaiians. Like what's the deal with what's, what's the deal in Hawaii? Like what's the deal in Alaska? What's going on? Like uh, running a, I could see a Canada episode. Canada. <sighs> yes. Yes. We can bring on Skelly. You can talk about Canada. It'll be fun. Now,
1: Maybe we could try to get That's Will killing. to play this at some point. <laughs> we need to give all of our Delta Green friends UA brainworm slowly. We've already done it to some of them.
0: Yes, do it. But then I'll get. Uh, for the longest time, I've always been like, um, my mindset has always switched between the two games. But I've been on. I know Army's trained for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I miss Delta Green a little bit, a little bit. Don't miss Arc Dream, but I miss Delta Green. It's kind of nice
1: that Atlas and Stolzey just kind of let the lunatics run the asylum for third edition.
0: Yeah, it, it it's good. Um, there has been um, I have some. I it does bother me a little bit that the the spirit of the old John Tides site hasn't really been revived um, in terms of like the the amount of people posting, and I think there are a lot of people out here. In the world that would like a forum to which to just like post their right random agree. ideas about an Well, I, I think I think part of it is just like to
1: keep an RPG fandom alive. Mm. That's like one of the big things that official releases do, because you know yeah. then they show up on the drive through RPG front page. They get kickstarters.
0: They show up in local game stores. You didn't need that with the old John Tynes site. People just kept like bouncing well, off each other like yes, Andy, with the comments. Yeah, it was very um, old school. But that
1: didn't that come out of like the old UA IRC channel? Probably,
0: a pro- yeah, probably. So like that's the, I, I think know, a like, lot of
1: that was just carried momentum from like the UA Heyday of the late nineties.
0: That's true, but like it was a sort of a place where like people could display like also, their ideas. Ted like,
1: Pro just made a lot of shit.
0: That's like, I and there were a, like, a, a lot of Ted pros. There were a lot of Ted pros. With the modern, like, the, the statusphere and drive-through RPG, there's, like, a higher bar for entry. You, like, have to be like, okay, I have to make it look nice. Exactly. I have to make, I have to, yeah. What do I charge for this? When back in the day, people would be like, I have an idea, and it's a brain worm about Anunnāmes. Where can I put it? Like Now you can go and, like, talk about it in the Discord, but it's... The Discord's not super active. You can't exactly... It's not really a repository for fan content, yeah. Yeah, no, you, ca- you can't just, like, dump your whole, like, this is my three paragraphs on this and have it, anyone read it. But if you could put it up on the site, because everyone knew where it was, people would want to go and read your three paragraphs there and leave a comment Well, on I still
1: it. have contact with the Unarmies the un- Unknown guy. If That is a project that we want to pursue and figure out how to do that. Is- I mean, Atlas Games has their own forums. But, like, yeah, having, like, a nice yeah, but- repository for fan content... That's a bit lower effort Because people still make UA fan content I, I've found a few blogs That have just yeah. done UA fan content they it's just kind of like Alright Here's a Google Doc I made I can't really be asked To do all the InDesign work To get it to Fit it yeah, into the status yeah. standards
0: Bring back web rings I say This but unironically <laughs> It would help a lot Yeah it does seem a bit scattered Because the old Juntime site was Very much a central hub
1: i think there's just a certain degree that the word needs to get out and there needs to be a hub that needs to be word that gets out to that hub and there needs to be people that are regularly making content for it that's what it comes down to and luckily because atlas is pretty cool like their their license for this game is pretty permissive i feel like that wouldn't be that tricky to set up
2: Mm -hmm. as far
1: as some of these other minor cult groups the data freedom foundation is something that i'd like to talk about especially in the context of flex echo i've I have a loose collection of notes for, like, the Silicon Valley Occult Underground slash uh, how the Occult Underground intersects with big tech, Um, both through, like, the private end of things and the uh, government surveillance end of things, and I Mm -hmm. these notes would require a lot of going over to get to where I'd want them to be, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it is something I'd like to do at some
0: point. For me, like the Data Freedom Foundation, like my in- sequ- my inroad in into that is more like the political side of this, like messing with data and how it affects yeah. like people, people get. Because I do have some sort of vague interest in, because old uh, unknown armies did shy away from getting involved in the government because they didn't want to create another Delta Green. Yeah. But how my interest would be in like how unknown armies intersects with politics in terms of how the sausage is made. And how magic can just mess things up and um, offer solutions to problems that might be intractable. Um, but not all those solutions, not all the people with those solutions. Yeah, people, like, right? and I think
1: what it comes down, to the root of that is in an armies, magic is harder to bureaucratize. Not even instrumentalize, because, you know, in Delta Green you see people thought, trying, yeah, the military industrial that. complex trying to fuck with that and it always bites them in the ass.
0: I'm thinking more of like terms of like magic lobbyists. Okay, in interesting.
1: well, oh, you're talking about like the status sphere as representative democracy and what that implies.
0: Yes, yes, but also like people who work within the field of like international relations and political politics, like sure. the interns and like people like who are doing things like how do the, un- the we know the immortal secretaries are involved? Like all these sort of like I don't want to have like the like the the FBI's X Files division. Or like Delta Green, I want like the magic to be riddled, riddled throughout it. The occult underground to have its sticky fingers in all kinds of bullshit. Yeah, no, I
1: I get what you mean. It's you know, it's just kind of it's not something that's organized very much. And when they do try to organize, it always fails. The way I kind of think of it is, Delta Green is MK Ultra, unknown armies is Project Stargate. You know, the sure. men who stare at yeah. goats. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That sort of bullshit i love what ben did with uh project candy onion in his book i felt like that was a really good way to bring in like the sort of ufo mythos no way that still feels very fundamentally that,
0: that is unknown armies. that is very good yeah and i really i really like that and that was probably the best way to do that yeah. kind of thing yeah um what i'm thinking more of is getting more fundamental in the fact that, in being about like unknown is about obsession and desire yeah. And politics is about obsession and desire. Yes,
1: I do agree there. I do agree there. There was that time when we were—it sp- wasn't like a corkboard really, but we just spitballed an entire like campaign framework about
0: British MPs. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Preventing the ascension of the American. Yes, um, yes. The one American um, was it UKIP? Um, I think he politician? was. I think
1: he was UKIP. Yeah, I think he was UKIP.
0: That he's, he's running independent and doing surprisingly well. Oh, this is because I showed you guys, um, uh, this was, uh... Yeah, the random EU British MP and- generator. Yes. Yes. This MP does not exist. Yes. Um, and we were like, this one definitely looks like a liberal Democrat. Um, this one, this one's, this one's a Tory, this one's Labour. Uh, um, that was, that was a fun exercise. Yes, I, I wish we'd recorded it. Oh, God. Um,
1: let's see some other shit. Um... 2e versus 3 i think is a topic worth discussing not in an adversarial sense but more talking about the strengths and weaknesses of them cuz I, th- I there is some things that i think that 2e just does better still yeah
0: and i could i can see that i can see that i am sort of um i like 3 sort of
1: i like 3e more overall but 3 3 uh-huh. has some bugs is the thing right
0: 3 like with yeah. the
1: way that um the way that coercion works and the fact that just by default you're immediately hardened to it Yeah. Um, It's... it's, Stuff mm. like that. But, um, I I mean, one thing that I'd love to do is just, like, you know, while we're comparing those two, think of, like, ways, like, all right, how can we bring over the stuff we like from 2E and, by extension, 1E because it's the same fucking system and bring that stuff
0: over to 3E? That would be cool. Um, Like, sort of things that are, like, a little bit difficult because you're like, I want to adapt this particular monster for... or this spirit for... or entity, rather... Or third edition, but it relies on the soul stat. What do I do? Yeah,
1: that's the thing. There's like some bits of the lore that are based off assumptions of the second edition mechanics, and then that lore is carried over without those
0: backing mechanics working the same way. It's been weird. There should be like a, 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 an old, an authentic thaumaturge. No, like a, not an authentic thaumaturge, like an adept who's sort of, sort of like acts like Albert Einstein did, like just not liking quantum physics at all. Yeah. Who's just having, and they're having a hard time dealing with the fact that whatever happened on 03, 03 03 changed the the fundamental basis of the universe, but they just speak in meta terms. They're like, oh yeah, no, like, why are people coerced? Oh, yeah, these?
1: back to, the, man, this new edition fucking sucks. I hate it. Oh, this Maddie's bullshit.
0: <laughs> I would like a character who just complains about, like, Vestomancy doesn't even have a paradox, but. That would be a fun spin for, like, a Ludomancer.
1: A grognard, but for the past edition of reality. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that is actually good. That's really great. You could you could work that in in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and I grog- agree. I, I like the idea of like a flat earth, a former flat earther who's angry because the earth used to be flat, but now it's round.
1: Uh, something that I always like to do, and I've fucked around with this a few times. The fun effect is just occasionally introduce elements in a role playing game that operate off a completely different role playing
0: game system. Oh yeah. Like, when you take your Delta Green character sheets away and give them Anonami sheets.
1: The time that I had that King of Yellow scenario I ran where halfway through I replaced
0: their Delta Green sheets with, like, basic D&D sheets. Oh, yes. Yeah. That sort of shit. That's fun. That's solid. It's sort of like, it's the text of the game. Yeah. It's sort of like you're playing with the text of the game. Exactly. It, it makes it makes sense. There's, there's a meaning to it. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean. like, it... it, it
1: it's it's not something you should pull that often but and be use it carefully but there's fun shit you can do with that and ua is one of those games that i feel like has
0: room for some of that meta those meta aspects you could do you could do a game where like um it seems like reality's breaking down and so you start off with like something really crunchy like and then you move like move through like um what is it? Uh, On the edge and end over up with edge, just yeah. the Amber system at the end of it. Well, yeah, I was
1: going to say by end of it, you're just running Fate. And then even by after that, you just get rid of it altogether
0: and start running Freeform. Yep.
1: That, though, you just run up Over the Edge. That is another game that we should probably cover at some point.
0: They even mentioned that like, in, a, in the Atlas blog about yeah. how they're like sort of sister games in some yes. ways. Well, um, and I, th- and I, I know Stolzy
1: worked on Over the Edge at one point. I believe Tynes did a bit for it, too. I mean, Jonathan Tweet was part of that.
0: It was all part of that sort of late 90s se- Seattle circle of role-playing game designers. The question is whether we call it Over the Armies or Unknown Edges. I'd be concerned about Unknown Edging. How long have <laughs> they been there? <laughs> As, that, is the strongest, that is the strongest title. I, I haven't actually played. I've never played... Um, I haven't either. But, like, I mean, uh, it's, uh, I know
1: it's where, like, a lot of UA's mechanical ideas came from. Like, this, like the self-defined skills and shit. Mm-hmm. so like if only th- i know third edition of over the edge is really different in a way that a lot of people don't like so maybe we'd focus on the earlier editions because they're the sure. ones that influenced ua more directly but sure. i mean fuck like th- there's a lot of similar ground there totally too both are very influenced by like philip k dick
0: robert anton wilson sort of shit yeah i feel that like um Traditionally, like, Over the Edge was more, like, sort of balls to the wall, more wacky in a way, yeah. but not just wacky for the sake of wacky, but also kind of wacky for the sake of wacky at the same time. It's hard to, like, describe the tone and the tonal difference. It's not as gritty, is the key thing I'd say. Um, yeah, that's, and that's been the traditional mind you, thing,
1: but... Gritty and wacky are not antonyms here. UA, I'd say, is both gritty and wacky. Yes. Over the Edge that, is just wacky. I don't think
0: it's, I don't... Yeah. But also, but it has more of that Edge paranoia. I agree. It has there's, more of that paranoia than UA does, I think. There's a tonal difference, which is hard to nail down, um, and there's a lot of overlap. So, yeah, I, I would I would be perfectly happy to go through a whole bunch of over-the-edge books and come back with a, yeah. a clearer idea of what the difference is, if there is, or how they can be used to influence each yeah, other. That exactly. And, I mean,
1: those are the two RPGs that Atlas is currently publishing, so... There you go. There sense. you go. Are they publishing? Yeah, no. They've come out with over the edge shit just last year. Um, Ooh. Jason Alexander was involved with it. Not Jason Alexander. Fuck.
0: Oh, I'll I'll use my I'll I'll use my money to give more money to Atlas Games. Perfect. Ooh.
1: You've created a closed <laughs> circle. Except they get they they get the cut from your Statosphere money, and then you give them the rest of the money.
0: That's it's right. a perfect con exactly. That's right, not Jason
1: Alexander, the this, the um the Alexandrian guy, the Alexandrian guy is doing editing for Atlas now, mostly from the edge. Jason Alexander, I've uh, yeah, I like not him, unfortunately. Though that joke has been made many times. I'm sure it has. So yeah, we have a like we have good shit to cover here, but I mean the we fundamental
0: thing is like, what do we want to start with? Oh, there's so many. There's more here. There's more here on okay. my list. Yeah. Um, there's. I wanted to do an episode about adept magic in a broad sense, okay. in the same way that we talked about how to build an avatar. Um, basically, just because I wanted to title to an episode just with the omega, omega symbol. All right. Um, hopefully, before the omega strain of COVID hits, we will all be omega males then. We we'll all be omega, males, including the women. Males and females. No, no, the
1: yes. the women are omega males too. It's, it's, oh,
0: that's when they attack the disease. Me. I see. I see, because I would like to talk about this. Might link into the modernist magic. I would like to talk about what postmodern magic and what it actually means, the possibility of syncretic magic, um, what it means when someone, like, is a disciple of an adept and becomes an adept themselves, and then yep. they break away as it's canonical, like, over um, very close issues of like um, doctrine how they shit. perceive yeah. their obs- doctrine and the, their the perception of the obsession is like you don't like. You don't like cigarettes in the same way I like cigarettes. Um, that sort of thing. You use um, Rollie's bah! Doesn't work for that. It has to be. It to has to, the to pack. be made. But yeah.
1: Yes, the camel. Only the camel. Yeah, like I can definitely see a very good episode coming out of that. Um, it's a broad concept to cover, but specifically from the angle of how do you make your own one of these, I think is good. Because I think the difficult part of those is just coming up with enough fucking spells. And if we can come up with some decent shortcuts for that, then I think we're. Simply- That's the idea.
0: That's something i would be kind to like, trying to think of. Like when I'm making a character um, on a school, in a, in a in a school, like every character should have like at least one of their own like personal formula spells yeah. that they've made up themselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tui emphasized so that, that a lot
1: more. I think,
0: but I think Tui just yeah, in the, general the has rules for it. Yes.
1: Well, I think Tui in general just kind of expected a bit more straight up creativity from players. I mean, that's kind of 90s RPGs in general. They're, like, expecting you to put in all this creative energy and just, like, hey, here's a few things. Have fun. Go nuts. Whereas now there's more of an expectation of, like, hey, here's tools to make your job easier as a GM. I know you have, like, other shit you're doing. And it's that's good because, like, as the hobbies matured, so have many of you that play it, and they've kind of realized, like, hey, a lot of people would DM a lot more... Well, a lot of people would Game Master a lot more... If they weren't busy with work and GMing weren't such a time-consuming process to prepare for. They're, now we are developing game design technologies to help with that a bit, which is nice. The sort of student-teacher relationship also is emphasized in 2E a lot more, I think. 3 kind of left that by the wayside, and I'd like to see some examples of that sort of relationship yes. in the newer schools introduced. I think that could be uh, that could be some fun shit to see.
0: It would be funny if you had um this is an idea that i have put a pin in, but like if you're coming up with like a new magic school and you wanna give some examples of like adepts with that school, you give like, like like a list like a three different adepts and like the first one was the master like was the teacher of the second one and the teacher the second one was the teacher of the third one nice. and they all hate each other. Like that'd be a fun way to frame it.
1: Yeah, that'd be good. Three E in general has that I call it Kickstarter syndrome where uh, a game knows there's going to be people buying it by virtue of it being kickstarted, so it puts in a lot less effort into getting people invested in the first place.
0: I, I can see that. Um, and people do complain about how um, 3E, and the way it's written, is kind of off-putting. I mean, it's not that different ways.
1: from 2E. 2E had the same thing. I think 2E... But it's not that different from us. No, no. I mean, I, I think what just what it comes down to is... I think two e as a core book is a lot better organized than
0: three e's core book is. Oh yeah, totally. I I like I really like how two e was organized. Yeah. I would more regularly read the two e book yes. than I read the like. I'll go and I'll find individual bits of information from three e, but like two e was a book that I could just pick up and open and just like oh reread a section of this like, yeah. this is, this is yeah. cool this is fun.
1: I think we kind of both agree that we like three e system, the like core three system. We like more than two e, but all of the other ancillary good bits of two e are just the the yes. de- the detail
0: work. I think. Yes, the detail work was good, and it was more coherent in many ways. I do say that I do I do prefer three e. I'm used to it now. Agreed. I do. Corkboarding respect... is just
1: too much fun. Like that, that's the killer so app.
0: That's the killer app for three.
1: Corkboarding is so it much is. fucking fun.
0: Yes. I do respect people who say that like they prefer 2E for certain reasons. And I've seen like 2E games um, and I could sort of, I could feel why they'd prefer to do it in 2E rather than 3E for the certain stories they want to tell. uh, They're 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 pretty different games. I I just think that
1: 3E, 2E is almost like a really good, is accidentally like a really good generic system. Mm. Whereas 3E is like more specifically built for what UA is, I think.
0: But some would argue that they that they're put off by the three E system because it does become very specifically one way yeah. when they played it differently. Yeah. and their unknown armies is not the unknown armies which is being yeah. The now. interesting
1: thing I've seen is that unknown armies is like the system that's used for Silent Hill the most often, which is interesting. I've seen a lot of people come to that same idea independently of like doing a Silent Hill S campaign, even if it, whether or not it's officially. Based on the property and tied to all that lordship. But the idea of like this malevolent town with like another de- tied to like another psychosexual horror mm. dimension. I've seen a lot of people use UA for that, UA2 specifically. And like, I get it, I think it's a good yeah. system
0: for that. Yeah, I've seen 2E used to do like lots of non UA cosmology type games. And I think it does feel like it's. I don't know. I, it, it feels more awkward to do it with 3. I think
1: it's a bit easier to homebrew for 2e. Yeah, that follows. But not that much more. 3 is still pretty easy for home, to homebrew, I think. But also 3 just feels very complete and, like, tightly wound. Like a, yeah. It feels like... Some of the parts... And it's, yet it's still full of
0: problems. It's still yes. full of... It needs a firmware update. Yeah,
1: and, well, we've, we've talked about that a bit, but let's not go into that too much now. That, that is a product I'd like to re-examine at a
0: point yes. in the future, though. We had, our, we had our enthusiasm that waned a bit, but we still have notes. Yes, we still we have notes. notes.
1: We always have... We have notes on a, a lot, lot of thing. things, though. You have an idea for comparing fan-made up schools to their 3E counterparts, and I like that idea a lot. And I honestly... I, I, I do wonder if like... like I, I'm sure that some people on the old Unnatural Phenomena site did some writing for 3E, so I wouldn't be surprised if some of these... Schools are kind of mm. beta versions of
0: some of the finalized versions we got in the 3 books. Yeah, maybe, they're pretty different of them are in better.
1: some cases. I agree. Yeah, like some of these are better.
0: I, I, I could have raised an eyebrow a bit, um, reading the third ed, uh, the, the book one of the new adept schools, like a couple of times, like yes. with um, with Sveneturji. I'm just like, wait a minute, I've seen this before, but not done better. Yeah. And like, like, some of it is just simply due to the fact that. It's just common enough ideas. But I don't know. Some of the, I feel, I'm sorry, Greg, but I feel that some of the adept schools were a bit phoned in in terms of theme. I agree. And coherence. I agree. And in some of the fan-made schools, people sat down and like they worked it out in a way that I read and it's like, mm, this makes sense. What might be good
1: with me. this would be like using this as like maybe a excuse to do a few redos. Of some of the uh, book one adept schools, combining these yep. parts of each that we like, and maybe putting it in a bit of our own ingredients to make uh, our preferred flavors of each.
0: Well, this would, would fit entirely with the uh, the ideas of like syncretic magic yeah. and every adept being slightly different. I mean, it's these are just other resources yeah, like, for spell oh, ideas. Exactly, you know?
1: like you can just steal. E- even if you like, definitely like the core mechanics and paradox and charging method of one school more than the other, you can still, like, easily steal these spells.
0: I do like the idea of, like, different adepts having, like, the same, technically the same school, but their view is different yeah. because they perceive it differently. Yeah. I think that's a solid... Uh, yeah, I, I think that, I agree. I think that idea has legs, too. As long as your emirgo rating stays the same, or if you adjust it's your spell cost, um, I push up my glasses. All right,
1: so... uh, Phantom Time hypothesis and the Mandela effect. I do think, at some point, need to... Dis- dedicate an episode to alternate timelines.
0: I've got ideas. Oh, I'm, sure do
1: never stuff all day. I'm sure you I'm sure you do. This is absolutely your jam. Uh there's yeah, I got plenty of material notes. for that. Um and hell, yeah. I I have a I have a few ideas for that sort of shit too. Um I I think for UA it's best to like not have this take place in like an alternate timeline. I think that's a bit much. Mm. But more like okay you have all these people showing up from a particular alternate timeline what's going on and then maybe at one point you get to visit that later on in the campaign right
0: yes but you could it could always be the um, fish out of water like that's all, like, true stuck in an alternate timeline and having to deal with a different occult underground well and um, what you do with that fun. is
1: you just don't tell the players that's the case beforehand so they go in expecting like oh this is
0: just the real world and then like no there's there's some there's some differences there is some good like um books that are sort of like not necessarily just the straight alternate history books, but sort of like uh more slipstreamy stuff that play with ideas like, um, Osama by Levi Tita, who, um, which is about, it's a, it's a detective story. Um, uh, if I get the details, right, it's a pulp fiction writer famous for his books about the swash, uh, not the swashbuckling, but the, uh, the, the secret agent Osama bin Laden has gone missing and the detective has to find where the, the creator of a silent bitmother book hero. It's kind of like The Iron Dream. Kind of, kind of. For those
1: that don't know, um, The Iron Dream is an alternate history book about Adolf Hitler never coming to power in Nazi Germany. Instead, after I believe his artist career fails, he moves to the United States and becomes a pr- prolific uh, illustrator of science fiction book covers before writing a science fiction book himself, called Lords of the Swastika, which wins a Hugo and is absolutely full of very uncomfortable eugenic subtext. And
0: that makes sense. I'm immediately reminded of a very old uh, thing I saw. I think it was, this is a very deep cut, the old alternate history travel guides uh, <laughs> website, oh, wow. which was alternate worlds presented as if like, it was like a travelogue. Yeah. Um, and they had a very active Yahoo groups, uh, role-playing community. At one point that I participated in as 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 a wee lad who was it was not very who got in trouble dealing with these grognards but I I do I think it was from there. It may not have been. I may be misremembering, but it was that sort of overview of, of things where there was a um, a fascistic New England uh, run by uh, dictatorial H. P. Lovecraft. Of course, which which is quite the setting. Which is quite. Uh, the I setting think where right all there. this energy just goes
1: to now is paradox game mods.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably where it goes. Yeah, Actually, exactly where it goes.
1: And why you end up with shit like Red Flood, where you can have George Bataille ruling France, or a Ein uh, Rand uh, who never uh,
0: left in the Jewish Exodus ruling Russia. Oh, Randy in Russia. Yep. So Randy Russia, I do I do confess I have watched a few paradox game i don't pl- i have a bunch very of friends specific. who play them
1: but yeah it's like one of those things that are like i appreciate this more than i like it
0: yeah i i mm. i sort of like it i like it but i'm like i do not i do not have time for it yeah i that's the other thing i do not have time again, to get into racist map painting games yeah but, but, I, but, they, but they, there's a there's an appeal to the map painting games and, and the racism yeah. could be adjusted to taste <laughs> to taste
1: Well, like, yeah, like we have we have a friend of the show that works on one of those mods, actually. Oh yeah, uh, Litho. We can come later. Litho works on um, the mod about what if Germany won World War World War Two, and just Europe fucking implodes. Oh yeah, it's it's like they go with the what if the Nazis won World War Two and really like deep dive and like, all right, how fucked, how unlikely would this be? and how fucked up did things have to get to
0: for us to get to this point it would have to get it have to be quite a series of events because the nazis were kind of incompetent yeah just, I mean, <laughs> if they did win it would be bad for everyone uh including themselves in the end yeah.
1: they're barely holding together uh russia mm-hmm. the entirety of russia balkanizes okay yeah, it's, it's of course but that
0: yeah that's uh, yeah that makes sense as well but it's obvious as well mm. I don't know. I enjoy it. I don't want to get stuck on that. I could, I could go on alternate history. I can go on all day. Doing an
1: alternate history episode and like time that everyone never wins and some of the other shit that can tie into the alternate timelines. I don't know. I, always, I like how the people that write it aren't afraid to just suddenly, once
0: in a while, just throw out like... Just change the cosmology entirely. Well, not even change the like, cosmology what?
1: entirely. Just like throw out things that like have vast implications and just not dwell on them at yeah. all.
0: Yeah. I. I, it, it's I, fun. I like it and I hate it. It is fun um, I, wanna, I want I want I want to I want to make some apologism for it like how does it make sense I think it could be done better do want to talk it is, about
1: but I I honestly like the approach yeah.
0: of like all right hey here's a threat for you to pull, if you really want to I do want to sort of like play with some ideas of like alternate um, Anonami's histories, like, what if Alex Abel did ascend? And what if the naked goddess didn't ascend? How would that affect the world? Would it be worse?
1: I feel like those would almost be good as, like, short episodes. Like, not an episode dedicated yeah. to that, but just, like, you know, we'd do a few what-if, just what-if episodes. Because... That's true, that's true. Those are topics that are, like, too big to dedicate a entire episode to a few of them, but... Mm. on top of some other shit, but
0: just, yeah. like, kind of bite-sized enough, just meaty enough to make, like, a decent small episode, I think. Sure. I, I I could easily come up with a few little notes for that. Like, any kind of scenario involving that, I'd always want to be presented in, like, a, a sort of, um, better in some ways, worse than others sort of We thing. should
1: really do, like, a proper intro episode at some point. We've been putting that out for a while, and I do think it's something that is warranted. An episode where we really, like, spitball for a while and think, like, okay, how... Do we create a podcast episode that would be a good introduction to all this shit?
0: I think Melon's better at doing it. We should just have him talking for two hours and then everyone will get the it. The
1: thing is, like, yeah, well, the thing is, coming away from the green box, I don't think the other host really got a good understanding of it either. Yeah,
0: uh, we're not as good. We're not, we're not well,
1: no, like it's like, like, Melon was there. Melon was there. I don't think any of us are That's good true. at it.
0: <laughs> I think maybe he's Kate, better at it. Kate is.
1: Honestly, yeah, I think Kate's probably the best of us for this
0: shit. That's true.
1: Cause yeah, by the end of that Greenbox episode, like I got the vibe that like Kevin was intrigued, but still didn't really understand it. I think that's like that's kind of a big project episode, honestly. That's something that we really need to like put our heads together and figure out, like, okay, how do we do this right? Because every time we're put on the spot, push. and like, all right, F- Frank and Thorpson explain unknown <laughs> armies. We're just kind of like, all right, it's uh, it's Pulp Fiction, and uh, also Tim Powers, if you've heard of him and also Neil Gaiman, and also uh, The Big Lebowski, and also China Meville, and also David Lynch. I think we just need I, I like just, a, an hour and a half or so to be like, all right,
0: let's 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 get hit I the just, important beats. I just adopt this Calvinist position <laughs> where I'm like, you can understand unknown if you've been chosen to understand unknown armies. I can't help you otherwise. Oh,
1: God, what's the fucking Thalemite terminology? Yeah, it, if it is your true will to understand unknown armies, you will. <laughs> That's right. And then down at the bottom here is more media discussion, which I think we kind of moved away from that for a reason. But, you know, for stuff that is very UA appropriate, just dedicating an episode to like, OK, this movie or TV show is super UA. Let's talk about it and kind of convince people to watch it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a solid that could be sort of in between. We have, we have moved away from that because. It was sort of like a thing that we were going to do every episode, but like that. We Our shows like were getting very long was the problem. Yeah. They were long and it's better just to like focus on one topic. Yes. Um, I found, um, unless, and we do mention things that if they're relevant in the conversation, on the other hand, like I wouldn't mind talking about like specific shows or specific uh, no. books. Yes. I've got a whole lot of books. You yes. know how many books I've just got? Oh yeah. Um, but I, I found some David Icke in there. Ooh. I found a Marianne Williamson book. Oh yeah. Um, okay.
1: So for... Those of uh, you guys not to know, Tormson just came into uh, possession of a Theosophist group's entire library because the group was shutting down, and he was able to just get a hold of all of that goodness. You drove for like three hours for that shit. Yes. Nice. For well,
0: 683. Worth free it. Free books. Worth it. Worth it. Yep. Worth it. The car was very full. Have you figured out a place to put those yet? Yes, I have filled a bookcase, and I now I need a now I need to find another bookcase. I've been looking on Facebook Marketplace for free bookcases in my area. You found a bookcase big enough to fit half of that? Even holy shit! I had one big bookcase that was pretty much empty, and I filled it, but it involved like you know putting like paperbacks on top of each other, so it was like double layers and things. Like I need another bookcase. Someone
1: sent me a bookcase. All right, there you go, listeners. Someone sent worms in a fucking bookcase. There's a lot of shit kind of hitting this sort of UA tone that I think is worth discussing. There's plenty of good books. Um, There's some TV shows, Brand New Cherry Flavor I've heard good things about, Lodge 49 I've also heard good things about.
0: Lodge 49 is great. Brand New Cherry Flavor is interesting, um, even though it ends in a a boring way. Um, I did find the book uh, with great difficulty that it's based on a very obscure, sort of um, very way relevant book from the 90s that was very hard for me to find um, because everything I, I wasn't on, it wasn't an ebook anywhere. And every like physical copy of it was like hundreds of dollars. Cause it was rare, but I have my ways. So I found it. Um, and it's very different, but very UA relevant. Uh, I don't know how this TV show got made. Um, to be honest, <laughs> it's such an obscure property, um, an incredibly obscure property, but yeah, it's worth watching. Um, I've been meaning so it's, to it's, watch
1: on becoming a god in central Florida.
0: Cause that seems very UA relevant. Yes, I've watched. Uh, I haven't watched the whole first season, but I've watched like half of it, and I want to get back to that. That sort of
1: harmony, Korean occultism,
0: that that mm-hmm, gummo mm-hmm. aesthetic. Very much so. Uh, did you ever get around to watching? To not watching, reading *Course of the Heart*. I need to get back to that. I, I will. We'll talk about *Course yeah. of the Heart*. It's after slow.
1: It's slow. I won't. I won't make any bones about that. But it is. It still maintains the most UA shit I've read
0: set in the UK. I'll get into it. Um, I've got, we've got here on the old, old list. Uh, you wanted to talk about, I want to talk about David Lynch at some yeah, point. Oh God, this that's, that's a fucking
1: topic. Uh, yeah, we should talk David Lynch. We should talk David Lynch at some point. That's uh that that will be hard to talk. I have a buddy who I haven't talked to in a while, admittedly. He's like a big fucking Lynch head. I might be able to hit him up to come on. That's cool. We never actually did the furries episode. No, we there didn't. We did. Oh fuck yeah! I need to hit. I need to hit her There, I had like a couple episode ideas that were like people that won't, friends of mine that are just kind of interesting people that know vaguely about occult shit that I figured would be kind of interesting to talk about uh, and talk to. And I've lost touch with a ton of people over COVID. I need to touch some bases. But yeah, we definitely need to do a furry episode. I maintain that that is a group with tremendous un that's atmospheric significance.
0: I want to talk about that, that, that convention that went out of control. You're going to need to be sabotaged. more specific. <clears throat> um, the 2016 uh, I I see uh, you're talking about Rainforest? The one yes. where there's a
1: bunch of diapers getting laid around everywhere?
0: Yeah, she was at that. Oh, because that... Um, I did a, like, a little like a search on that and it was like, there's lots of intrigue, like who was behind it. Who was behind it? Was it like a deliberate the, yeah. sabotage? It? Who was behind the diapers? My God, my God. Yes, I would like to hear about Rainforest. <laughs> And its relevance to the Anunamis. And there's some pretty obvious things um, about animal spirits, the history of uh, anthropomorphization in human culture and religion, spirituality. Yes.
1: We keep talking about fucking Apollinean, Dionysian, and Catholic and shit. Name one more thing Dionysian than furry, a furry convention.
0: I, I wouldn't be able to. I would not be able, yeah. able to.
1: Dionysian in the classical sense and the modern sense. Literally getting drunk and high off your ass dressing up as animals and having indiscriminate sex. It's not always about sex, I hear. No, it's not always about sex, it's true, but a lot of what it's a it's a big part of furry conventions. Yeah, there's there's stories to be had there. Um But all, like also like a lot of furries are into like occult shit, so unsurprisingly. Yep.
0: That makes sense. That's, that's a solid episode, but it feels like it requires some research. Yeah, um, it's it's something that, like, probably should be done... Ju- it's something that should be done
1: justice. But any other, like, media that you think is worth discussing... I right, mean, if we're doing David Lynch, then that's when we can hit Twin Peaks, but Twin Peaks is very... Twin Peaks is more UA than Delta Green, I'd say, even though, you know, the yeah, it's centered around a federal investigation...
0: Oh, sure. Because, yeah, it, it doesn't feel very Delta Greeny. Like, whatever the Blue Rose cases are, they're not the same as the Delta Green case. No. Um, and that's, the, it's more mysterious than... It's, oh.
1: just, it's, it's just the way it's presented, I think. It's the way it's presented. I mean, like, the, the key differences there are, like, a new way. It's something you can get used to. And we've seen what it's like when you get used to that shit in Twin... In uh, the Twin Peaks verse, and usually you come out kind of warped.
0: But there's also like other Lynch stuff that is very relevant that I'd like to get you. Like um, either watch if I haven't watched it or rewatch watch like um, things like Wild and Heart and... Wild at like, Heart the and, um, on the air is supposed to kind of have a bit of that. I never saw that. Any big books I, I looked,
1: or movies that you think?
0: I looked recently on Netflix. if, if Netflix in Australia had and David Lynch and the only David Lynch that I had was the... They had was The, the monkey uh, one? Short film, yeah, where he, the, 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 monkey the monkey
1: one. It's just the monkey one. Yeah. Why is it just the monkey one? He's apparently working on a TV show for them, so that should be interesting.
0: That's cool. You have James Elroy.
1: James Elroy is the Elroy. big one. Yeah, he he did like LA Confidential and shit. He's sort of where UA's take on noir comes from because UA is okay. as it's equal parts urban fancy and neo noir. I think that's kind of where yep. what gives it its unique tone. I think, yeah, it's worth going into, though. Maybe that would be, that'd probably be a good thing to talk about for, like, combined with the L.A. episode, maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's that would be cool. Because all the stuff's in L.A. I would like, yeah, looking at some of these from the old list, like, it's having, like, Lynch and then Tim Powers. Yeah, we need James to do a Tim Delroy Powers episode. We need to
1: do a Tim Powers episode. that's, like, that. he is the most U.A., single, single most U.A. writer.
0: Yes. Um, I didn't to catch up. Um, I do too. Some yeah. more Tim
1: Powers. Yeah, I also need to catch up on because he, like, that's the thing. He comes out with shit regularly. And, you know, yes. not all of stuff is, some of his stuff is better than others, but it's always reliably
0: entertaining. He's a reliably entertaining guy. Hell,
1: I wonder if it would be possible to interview him. He seems like someone that,
0: like, isn't that hard to contact. That's true. That's true. Maybe. Maybe. Um. Hmm, that'd be fun. I would like to like even some people who aren't don't seem like they're fully related, but I could make them relate somehow. Like people like I like Michael Moorcock. I could make it make sense. Well, I mean, Michael Moorcock's written so
1: much shit that there's at least like ten novels he's written that end up being accidentally directly UA-related.
0: Yeah, he does play with archetypes. Yes, that's, that's fiction, a big Total Champion thing. Champion being the most obvious one. There is a few like small series we can discuss. Yeah, um, I think like that's
1: saying like I, I I don't think individual books warrant a ua episode unless it's like a big fucking book but like but like, like uh, authors authors yes. or a t- entire tv show yeah that makes more sense mm-hmm. i mean we did bring up what we do in the shadows do you think we could squeeze a ua episode out of
0: that <laughs> oh sure like just do a taika episode. yeah oh uh, there's an I'll idea i watch there's boy an and idea, I'll... actually We'll bring Whimsy on and we'll do a, 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 a Kiwi. A yeah, Island sure.
1: Fuck it. Yeah. Taikawa TV in New Zealand to call it Underground. I'm down. We should probably do that after, like, maybe after UK, because we keep just doing more and more U-
0: Oceania episodes. That's true. Well, we just did to Australia. We haven't done any Oceania proper. No. Uh, we've just done Australia. Which, yeah. Well, we've done Australia twice. That's true. That's true. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's
1: fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we just need to de- branch out a bit. Um. But yeah. Okay. So, we have a lot of fucking territory to cover here. Where do we start?
0: Yes. This is the problem. Like, okay. So, um, one of the reasons for doing this episode is just to illustrate what to episode? the audience we're, we're, how we're, the we're, I, I made. Thought,
1: we're just having a conversation amongst ourselves in, that in, oh, a, yeah, that's in right. a recording studio that may or may not be bugged. <laughs> that's 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 right. That's
0: right. Don't break the fourth
1: wall. Or the fifth wall. There's a lot of walls. We keep breaking way too many of them. It's the issue with having a hexagonal studio. It, it, the acoustics are better, all right, but it's so flimsy. It it's has so to be flimsy. A well, yeah. Where do we go next? Um, honestly, my vote's the naked goddess. I think. I think we need to duke that one out, Torm. I think. I think we need all to right. get that out of the way. But um,
0: also, yeah, try to get some the interviews ne- on. I mean, again, the next one will be the Columbus episode. Yeah, I 'Cause it's been sitting there for months because I was sad about my bad recording. Yeah,
1: it, well, and it was just we, it took a couple sessions to get it done. So
0: we'll it was long. we'll get it chopped it and screwed oh, and I've already put a um an Easter egg related oh, to perfect. it, but no one knows what perfect. it is yet. Even I don't. Um You don't remember? Anyway. So uh yeah, let's look into
1: the honestly I do for naked gas, I do think we should probably separate the sect from discussing her validity as an archetype.
0: I would like to start discuss her first. Yeah, then. I'd agree. I'd um, agree. Uh, the, the, sect, the sect,
1: they've been up to a lot. They're one of the more active groups from the uh, arts that are still uh, uh, around. And I think it's worth really
0: diving into them and seeing. Uh,
1: I mean, porn has changed. Yes. Porn has changed a great deal.
0: I'd like to go into like diff- the, 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 the three factions of the sect and they all have different. One of them's hell, swerfy Yes. Um, the other two have their own thing yeah. going on. Yeah. I like that. I like schisms. I like religious schisms. The prism in which I view the sect of the naked goddess is like very similar to sort of um, early Christianity, intense in terms of like working out what the canon is and fighting over doctrine and that sort of stuff. Is is fun to me. Um, treating it not just as a haha weird sex cult, but like an actual sex religion uh, with all the baggage attached yes. to that and and hurt feelings and and heresy that's, that's and well, i and like that well things. put
1: not a sex cult a sex religion so we'll definitely be covering them too at some point but i think we need to do a bit more research whereas now we just want to get yes. at each other's uh get each other's throats on all right how
0: does this shit actually work what the fuck is a naked goddess and why is she in the up in the status here that's the thing like we'll just we'll just fight about what the naked goddess is and then it will become violent, and we'll start throwing chairs, and it becomes full of Well, the great ephronium. thing is that arguing and then about... That's, that's what the Naked Goddess is, exactly. after Well, all.
1: yeah, like, arguing about what the Naked Goddess is just makes her more inscrutable and just makes her more powerful.
0: Don't you try to scroot me.
1: I think there's plenty of screwing happening whenever the Naked Goddess is around, to be fair. It, I,
0: I want the title. No, it's a terrible title, but, like, um, Don't scroot Me, You Scroats. <laughs> To use or something like that. To use the uh, the, the R slash female dominated oh, strategy God. terminology.
1: That that's worth <laughs> that's worth a UAE episode right there. How, bring a, a fun UAE spin on that. Well, yeah, we'd have to talk about
0: incels. As I mean, well. yeah, I, I mean they're the, the same reason. thing. They're the,
1: basically the same it thing. It is it's
0: just well, okay, no, it's a lot of
1: it, they aren't the same thing as incels. There's a lot of overlap in the ideology. Political lesbians are the same thing as incels.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, so okay, as female dating strategy, they're more like the 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 MGTOWs, yeah. The, the... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't okay. say
1: MGTOWs. I mean, like it's it's still like it's, it's still about dating in a lot of cases. It's just like, all right, how do I approach this from the most cynical perspective possible?
0: So they're like MGTOWs. They're like P ways. They're like P Yeah, yeah.
1: But it's that's true. But the language used is not the same. Oh yeah, because it's coming at it from a defensive instead of an offensive vantage point
0: that's true that's true that's interesting oh we could get into like um uh all si- all kinds of uh, uh tactics and, stra- and like grand strategy i could bring up Sun Tzu and um uh klaus witz and all that and like bring it in that'd be a good
1: topic to bring in for our discussion on gendered archetypes i think
0: yeah that's true but with so many tangents I-, I feel like we're walking into a tangent uh,
1: that's how our episodes always end up tormson i think it's we true. just need it's to true. accept
0: that about ourselves now, do we want to set up anything? <laughs> Didn't we have an announcement? Uh, I don't think anything definite. Um... Were we going to set up a Discord channel for this or not? Oh yes, so that is we're glad. Was oh, do we want to record now, uh, like this? Like, like, we, we
1: don't have any plans uh, for this other than him.